Blog Talk Radio. From the far reaches of the known universe, we are proud to present Brother Harold Muhammad, soldier, scientist, scholar. Blog Talk Radio's finest. Not so mad science. On Black Hole Radio. Assalamualaikum. And welcome to tonight's edition of Not So Mad Science here on the Black Hole Radio Network. With your host, Malahar Muhammad. Once again and as always, coming to you live from the city of Detroit, Motown. Just because Barry Brody took Motown to L.A. does not mean Detroit has lost its soul. Detroit, the city where it all began for the nation of Islam, where he who is Lord and King presented himself and was recognized by one man and one man only. That man is the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. So I greet you all once again in the Nation of Islam. Greetings of peace and paradise. Assalamualaikum. We missed last week. And our show got, from what I understand, nipped after the first 10 or 15 minutes the week before, which I was totally unaware of. But it is in the archives. It is available to be heard. But we're on the air this week. And I want to open tonight's program with a discussion, if you will, a presentation of some facts, of some news that the national media has overlooked in the world of science and biotechnology that puts the American citizenry that puts the world at risk. We have been blessed to have access to a line of information from the Defender, the Children's Health Defense News and Views Network. Pfizer one of the world's largest pharmaceutical manufacturers and providers. In the national media, Pfizer kind of skipped to my blues and kind of bounced their way around to have the news squelch of their activities during the production process to get the EUA, the Emergency Use Authorization, of their COVID-19 vaccine. Well, according to Megan Redshaw, who acquired documents from Trial Site News. Trial Site News is a pharmaceutical watchdog group. They've been maligned in social media as a fake news site. However, I have found this not to be the case. They are a legitimate watchdog of pharmaceutical agencies, and they collect the data 
they process the data. These are functioning scientists within the pharmaceutical community to which their employers are not aware of their association. So to that end, Pfizer skipped critical testing and cut corners on their quality standards during the development process of their version of the COVID-19 vaccine. New documents that were attained by trial site news suggest routine quality testing issues were overlooked in the rush to authorize use of the Pfizer COVID vaccine. Pfizer BioNTech. That is the full name of the company and the vaccine which they produce. It has been indicated that the U.S. and other governments are conducting a massive vaccination program with an incompletely characterized experimental vaccine. Regulatory documents reveal Pfizer didn't thoroughly examine the blood, the biodistribution as far more kinetic issues relating to its vaccine before submitting the vaccine to the European Medicines Agency for review. In fact, in key studies called biodistribution studies, which are designed to test where an injected compound travels in the body, and which tissues or organs it accumulates in. Pfizer did not. I'm going to say that again. Pfizer did not use the commercial vaccine BioNTech162B2, but instead relied on a surrogate mRNA that produced the luciferase protein. I'll explain all that to you in a moment. According to BioSite News, excuse me, according to TrialSite News, the emergency medical authorization reviewers shared this explicit admission, quote, no traditional pharmacokinetic or biodistribution studies have been performed with the vaccine candidate BioNTech162B2. Now, pharmacokinetics refers to the study of what the body does with a drug and the drug's movement through the body. The time course of its absorption bioavailability, distribution, metabolism, and excretion. Regulatory documents also show Pfizer did not follow industry industry standard quality management practices during the the pre-clinical toxicology studies of its vaccine. As key studies did not meet good laboratory practices. 
good laboratory practices, or GLP, is a set of principles intended to assure the quality, integrity of non-clinical laboratory studies used as the basis for research or marketing permits for products regulated by government agencies. The term GLP is most commonly associated with the pharmaceutical industry and the required non-clinical animal testing that must be performed prior to approval of new drug, new drug products. Quote, the implication of these findings are that Pfizer was trying to accelerate the vaccine's development timeline based on the pressures of the pandemic. This is according to Daniel O'Connor, trial site news founder and CEO. Quote again, the challenge is that the process, such as good laboratory practices, are of paramount importance for quality and ultimately for patient safety. If such important steps are skipped, the risk-benefit analysis would need to be compelling. This standard was not met. O'Connor pointed out to the example of generic repurposed drugs that when under evaluation, even if they are approved, must go through ever more studies to prove their worth. Yet in the case of the Pfizer vaccine, Mr. O'Connor said, Pfizer was given more discretion even with a radically new life science-based technology. According to the trial site news, extended practices for the EMA to disclose its assessment of investigational new drug submissions in the case of Pfizer's vaccine the EMA assessment included a summary of the agency's evaluation of the non-clinical vaccine distribution studies reported to the EMA by Pfizer themselves. But the EMA did not disclose the results of Pfizer's biodistribution studies in its public EMA summary. Studies submitted to the EMA were carried out using two methods, use of mRNA that produced the luciferase protein and use of a radioactive label to mark the mRNA. Now, for those of you who don't know, I'm going to explain what the luciferase protein is. Because you need to know what that is so that you can make the relationship from what is being defined and described to you. And so, so that you know luciferase is spelled L-U-C I-F E R 
A-S-E. Okay. Luciferase protein or the Luciferase antibody. It's a generic term for the class of oxidative enzymes that produce bioluminescence and is usually distinguished from a photoprotein. So essentially they use the luciferase enzyme or rather the luciferase protein to track where things are going in the body. Sort of like follow the money and you know who's involved. So, the studies revealed the majority of the radioactivity initially remained near the injection site. But within hours, a subset of the stabilized mRNA containing particles became widely distributed throughout the body of test animals. Rapperture Philip Johansson man has a really strange name. Rapato Philippe Josephson, a person appointed by an organization to report on the proceedings of the case, and co-reporter Jean-Michel Race suggested Pfizer use a qualified LCMS slash MS message to support quantification of the two novel LMP excipients. And the bioanalysis method appeared to be adequately, adequately characterized and validated for use in the GLP studies. Remember now, GLP is general lab practice. However, the studies performed and submitted by Pfizer were non-GLP. Additionally, the EMA documents, the emergency usage documents, state biodistribution. Several literature reports indicate that LNP formulated RNAs can distribute rather non-specifically to several organs such as the spleen, heart, kidney, lung, and brain. Now, I remind you before I go further that some of the secondary medical afflictions that people have been experiencing and dying from have been located during autopsies in spleen, heart, kidney, lung, and the brain. Keep that in mind. In line with this, results from the newly transmitted study, 185350, indicates a broader biodistribution pattern. The EMA observation, 
someone's trying to interrupt my show here, and I must stop it. And let's get back to the program. The EMA observation corresponds with a growing number of adverse events and aligns with data that the trial site news obtained through the FOIA or the FOIA showing concentrations of LNT formulated RNAs in the spleen and ovaries, other tissues and organs. Think about that now. Where is this stuff being distributed in the body? And where have we found through autopsies that people have been experiencing issues in their bodies? We got to follow the trail to see what these people have done and have been doing. So, trial site news contacted Dr. Robert W. Malone. He is the original inventor of mRNA vaccine technology and a senior regulatory specialist who serves as president of a prestigious European association who wished to remain anonymous. Well, you're not anonymous anymore. When asked to review and comment on the EMA assessment, Dr. Malone noted normal pharmacokinetic and pharmacotoxicology studies had not been performed before the EUA authorization for the product. He says, and I quote, I was particularly surprised that the dossier of regulatory documents indicates allowances for use in humans based on non-general laboratory practices, TK and top studies relying on formulation formulations which are significantly different from the final vaccine. Now, this is from the person who developed the method of delivery of the mRNA-based vaccine. He was disturbed that they did not follow general laboratory practices to produce a vaccine that was given to people before it was even reviewed after completing a review. Trial site news and other sources noted the following. Quote, a quick review, the toxicology section 2.3.3 or 2.3.3 of the European Medicines Agency assessment report on the comatory or COVID-19 mRNA vaccine issued on February 19th of 2021, raises concerns about data applicability of preclinical study findings to clinical use. 
to determine the biodistribution of the LNT formulated modified mRNA and the mod mRNA. The applicant did not study distribution of the modified mRNA in two different non-general laboratory practices studies in mice and rats and determined the biodistribution of a sur surrogate luciferase modern or modified mRNA. Thus, one might question the validity and the applicability of the non-general laboratory practices studies conducted using a variant of the subject mRNA vaccine. In addition, no genotoxicity data were provided to the European Medical Association. What does it mean? Not only did they not do the proper testing of the actual mRNA or the modified mRNA that was going to use as the carrier for the vaccine, they didn't use the actual vaccine at all. They used a surrogate in its place that was a modified mRNA vaccine of another type and followed it. Well, that's like saying, I want to follow Tom to see where he goes, but to do that, I'll follow Joe and see where Joe goes, and I'll say that Tom did it. But Joe and Tom don't know each other. Joe and Tom don't have normal the same habits. Joe and Tom are two different people. But I'm going to follow the wrong guy to say that the other guy went somewhere. My dear brothers and sisters, how much more are you willing to endure? How long are you continue, will you continue to allow yourselves to die? How much trick is left in your bag before you, Niedermeyer, decide to take a stand for your own life? You've been had. You've been tricked. You got hoodwinked. No. You weren't had. You weren't tricked. You weren't hoodwinked. You weren't even lied to. You just decided that the liar lie was okay and you decided not to challenge it. Well, my employer said, they're worried about their profits. They're not concerned about you. Well, the government said, they're concerned about big business and money movement. They're not concerned about you. These people are gazillionaires. They're Elmer J. Fudd. They own a mansion and a yacht and you can barely afford the Volkswagen Jetta that you got in your driveway. According to official government documents, minimal risk is associated with COVID vaccines when compared to the risk of the COVID infection. I'm going to compare my risk between the vaccine and the infection. 
Okay. This belief forms the basis of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's emergency use authorization approval, which is based on a risk-benefit analysis. So in other words, you're using an insurance company's mathematical uh, formulations to determine whether or not it's safe for me to take a product into my body that may or may not save my life. The insurance company's algorithm is based on the profit motive, not life saving. What is going to be in the best interest of the insurance company, not the person whose life is at risk? So how does their algorithm help me? It doesn't. However, a search for the Center for Disease Control and Prevention's Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, the VAERS, revealed that 294,801 reports of adverse events following the COVID vaccines, including 
Are you kidding? I'm going to go on your word that it has not formally been reported. Well, how formal do you mean when someone is dead? COVID vaccines and the reported adverse effects risk is low. The discovery of these documents and associated information may alter the risk-benefit assessment using an insurance company's algorithm underlying the emergency use authorization decision according to what trial site news reported. People are just dumb. As the defender and trial site news reported, documents obtained by scientists through the Freedom of Information Act to FOIA reveal preclinical studies showing the active parts of the vaccine, the mRNA lipid nanoparticles, which produce the spike protein, did not stay at the injection site and surrounding lymphoid tissue as scientists originally theorized but spread widely throughout the body and accumulated in various organs, including the ovaries and spleen. Research suggests this could lead to the production of spike proteins in unintended places, including the brain, ovaries, and spleen, which may cause the immune system to attack organs and tissues resulting in damage and raises serious questions about the genotoxicity and reproductive toxicity risk associated with the vaccine. Byron Bridal, a viral immunologist, and excuse me for one moment, folks, I'll be right back. I'm sorry, folks. We had some background noise that had to be dealt with. Had to get rid of it. Now that it's gone, we can get back to the point at hand. Byron Bridal, a viral immunologist and associate professor at the University of Gulf, Gulf, Ontario, was awarded a $230,000 grant by the Canadian government last year for research on COVID vaccine development, that he and a group of international scientists filed a request for information from the Japanese regulatory agency to get access to Pfizer's biodistribution study. The biodistribution study obtained by Dr. Bridal showed the COVID spike protein gets into the blood where it circulates for several days post-vaccination and then accumulates in organs and tissues, including the spleen, bone marrow, the liver, adrenal glands, and quite high concentrations in women's ovaries. This also means it finds its way into men's testes. Quote, we made a big mistake. We didn't realize it until now according to Dr. Bridal. 
we brought the spike protein with a great target antigen. We never knew the spike protein itself was a toxin and was a pathogenic protein that could cause damage in our bodies and if it gets into circulation. I'm going to say that again. He said, we made a big mistake. We thought the spike protein was a great target antigen. We never knew the spike protein itself was a toxin and was a pathogenic protein that could cause damage in our bodies if it gets into circulation. And this is Not So Mad Science with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad here on the Black Hole Radio Network. I'm going to let you percolate on that one for a moment. As the train heads down the track. Did you miss that? I'm going to say it one more time. We made a big mistake. We thought the spike protein was a great target antigen. We never knew the spike protein itself was a toxin and was a pathogenic protein that could cause damage in our body if it gets into circulation. Did Lipton blow the whistle? With that said, small break as you percolate on how important your life is to you. And while we take that break, we're going to kick it around with a little candy statement because if you're a victim now, you're a damn fool.
Welcome back, welcome back. This is Not So Mad Science with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. Why would these multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical companies lie so severely about what they're doing, how they're doing, and why they're doing what they're doing? Sharon Lerner of The Intercept. did some investigative reporting back in March of 2020. And in her analysis, she found that big pharmaceutical companies were preparing to profit from the coronavirus. Okay, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Johnson & Johnson, United Health, Merck, Pfizer, CVS Health, all these companies are looking, their, their profits have been going up and up and up steadily. Consistently, they're making a killing. Literally. They are literally making a killing at the expense of the American people and the global citizenry. citizenry, The global citizenry. As the coronavirus spread illness, death, and catastrophe around the world, virtually no economic sector was spared from harm. Yet amid all that mayhem from the global pandemic, the only industry that was not only just surviving, it was profiting is big pharmaceuticals companies knew and they viewed the COVID-19 as a once-in-a-lifetime business opportunity. Gerald Posner, the author of the book Pharma, Greed, Lies, and the Poisoning of America said, and I quote, we will potentially be a blockbuster for the industry in terms of sales and profits. And he said, the worst of the pandemic is still yet to come with higher than their eventual profits. Can insurance companies, pharmaceutical companies, do their projections? And they projected windfall profits for the lifetime of the coronavirus. So the scare was definitely in their financial interest, but it was also in their fiduciary interest to produce an inferior product for a pandemic that they had no control over, only the perception of the ability to stem the tide of sickness and death. The ability to make money off of pharmaceuticals is already uniquely large in the U.S., which lacks the basic price controls other countries have, giving drug companies more freedom over setting prices for their products than anywhere else in the world. 
during the current crisis, pharmaceutical makers may have even more leeway than usual because of language in language industry lobbyists inserted into an $8.3 billion coronavirus spending package, which was passed to maximize their profits from the pandemic. It was passed so that government could then buy from big pharmaceutical companies to then distribute to the American people. However, in the U.S., the federal government bailed out the pharmaceutical companies. It hands dirty in the cookie jar once already, just like the people, the American people through the federal government bailed out the banks, yet the American people saw no benefit from the bailout. The banks made money, and the American people lost money and then spent their money to bail them out of trouble. Initially, some lawmakers had tried to ensure that the federal government would limit how much pharmaceutical companies could reap from vaccines and treatments for the new coronavirus that they developed with the use of public funding. But it was back in February, Representative Jan Schakowsky, a Democrat from Illinois, and other House members wrote to then-President Donald Frumpy Trumpy, Trump, pleading that he ensure that any vaccine or treatment developed with U.S. Tax, taxpayer dollars be accessible, available, and affordable, a goal which big pharmaceuticals said they, they couldn't be met. If pharmaceutical corporations are given authority to set prices and determine distribution, putting profit-making interests ahead of the health priorities and crisis. When the coronavirus funding was being negotiated, Representative Schakowsky tried again, writing to Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azars on March 2nd that it would be unacceptable if the rights to produce and market the vaccine were subsequently handed over to a pharmaceutical manufacturer through an exclusive license with no conditions on pricing or access, allowing the company to charge whatever it would like and essentially selling the vaccine back to the public who paid for its development. Oh, what a trick. What a trap. What a bag. How stupid can we be? But many Republicans opposing, opposed adding language to the bill that would restrict the industry's ability to profit. And again, we're receiving an interruptive call, but we're going to stay here and we're going to stick with it. This is Not So Mad Science, and I'm your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. We're going to continue. So let, let's, let's keep going here. We're going to take a small sidetrack, and I'm going to keep talking because, as you know, money talks and then the bullshit walks, as they say. Let's keep doing it. Although 
to Azar. Well, let's go back a little bit further. Many Republicans opposed adding language to the bill that would restrict the industry's ability to profit, arguing, arguing that it would stifle research and innovation. And although Mr. Azar, who serves as the top lobbyist and the head of U.S. operations for the pharmaceutical giant Eli Lilly, before joining the Trump administration, assured Representative Schakowsky that he shared her concerns. The bill went on to enshrine drug companies' ability to set potentially exorbitant prices for vaccines and drugs they developed with taxpayer dollars. Now, here it is. You have the head of Health and Human Services, who was a lobbyist, for the very industry that he is now over. Where is his credibility? Where is his loyalty? Who's he looking out for? It certainly has not been the American people. It certainly has not been the American people. However, we're going to continue in in this in this push to gain control over our lives. So let's do this. Let's keep at it. Again, we we have another interruptive call coming in. We're going to have to jump to some quick music here while I deal with this problem. So, with that being said, we are going to do this. As people try to interrupt Not So Mad Science, Not So Mad Science got something for you. We're going to go with the Diva song for a quick moment while we get rid of these interrupted disturbances.
Welcome back, welcome back. This is Not So Mad Science with your host, Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. We've dealt with our interruption, and now we're going to keep right on rolling along. This is too important a subject to let go. Not only omitted the language that would have limited drug makers' intellectual property rights, It also left out language that had been in an earlier draft that would have allowed the federal government to take any action if it has concerns that the treatment of vaccines developed with public funds are priced too high. Those lobbyists deserve a medal from their pharmaceutical clients because they killed that intellectual property provision. Mr. Posner added that the omission of language allowed or allowing the government to respond to pricing or should I say price control or price gouging was even worse. To allow them to have this power during a pandemic is dangerous. The the truth is that profiting off of public investment is also business as usual for the pharmaceutical industry. Since the 1930s, the National Institute of Health has put some $900 billion into research that drug companies then use to patent brand name medications. According to positive calculations, Every single drug approved by the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, between 2010 and 2016 involved science funded with tax dollars through the NIH, the National Institute of Health, Dr. Fauci. According to the advocacy group, Patients for Affordable Drugs, taxpayers spent more than $100 billion 
on that research. And this is not so mad science with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad here on the Black Hole Radio Network. Unfortunately, my throat is parched. So we're going to have to take a few minutes of break time here, even though we've had interruptions, and keep on going. But there's something about fear and the disorders associated with fear that have come up now as a result of the vaccine. So I'm going to play a portion from a previous show last year about fear and the disorders. Distinguished future physicians, welcome to Stomp on Step 1, the only free video series that helps you study more efficiently by focusing on the highest yield material. I'm Brian McDaniel, and I will be your guide on this journey through schizophrenia and other psychotic disorders like schizoaffective, delusional disorder, and schizophreniform disorder. This is the second video in my playlist covering psychiatry. Psychosis is disorganized thoughts and a distorted perception of reality. Psychotic individuals will usually have a loss of function and a lack of insight, meaning they don't realize their perception of reality is distorted. There are a few different types of psychotic symptoms which we will review individually. Hallucinations are hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, or smelling something that isn't really there. This sensation has no external stimuli. Due to a lack of insight, these individuals think that what they perceive is real. Schizophrenia is usually associated with auditory hallucinations, where the individual hears voices. Tactile hallucinations, like the sensation of bugs crawling on their skin, is usually related to street drugs. Olfactory, or smell, hallucinations are more commonly seen in the aura before seizures. Delusions are strongly held beliefs that are not based on fact. Due to the lack of insight, trying to convince a psychotic person that their delusions are false is almost impossible, no matter how much evidence you present. Delusions of persecution are the most common type and involve paranoia. These individuals think others are out to get them and are trying to follow them, spy on them, poison them, steal from them, or otherwise harm them. Delusions of grandeur are when an individual believes they have special powers, talents, or intellect. They may think they are famous, have supernatural abilities, or have religious prominence. Other common themes in delusion are guilt, thought control, thought broadcasting, or the belief that others can hear your thoughts, and ideas of reference, belief that people on TV, radio, print media are talking about you. Disorganized speech or thought disorder is random, incoherent speech that may involve repeating phrases or words that sound similar. The patient likely is not aware that their speech makes no sense to others. This is sometimes referred to as word salad. Catatonia is motor hyperactivity with repetitive, purposeless motions or motor hypoactivity that leads to complete motor immobility and waxy flexibility, where you can move the patient into an odd position and they will stay in that position for hours. It can include a complete disconnect from reality. Here is an example of waxy flexibility. If you moved a catatonic person into this position, they would be able to stay there without moving for hours. A catatonic state should not be confused with cataplexy, 
which is a type of narcolepsy where people have motor immobility while remaining completely aware of their surroundings. In the previous video in the psychiatry section, we covered mood disorders. There, we briefly discussed mania with psychosis and depression with psychosis. The key difference between schizophrenia and a mood disorder with psychosis is that psychosis in mood disorders is mood congruent. This means that the psychosis is only present during mood episodes and that the psychosis is in line with their mood. So a manic individual may have delusions of grandeur and a depressed individual might have delusions of guilt. You can see here in the top right corner, I give schizophrenia a high yield rating of three. The high yield rating is a scale from zero to 10 that gives you an estimate of how important each topic is for the USMLE Step 1 Medical Board exam based on a number of factors, including how often each topic appears on retired Step 1 questions. To learn more about the high yield rating, you can click this orange box here. Schizophrenia is a chronic progressive psychiatric condition characterized by psychosis and an abnormal interpretation of reality. They have a difficult time functioning in society due to progressive loss of function. Symptoms are categorized into two groups, negative and positive symptoms. Positive symptoms are behaviors or sensations that are not normally present. These symptoms may be related to an excess of dopamine. Examples include hallucinations, delusions, catatonia, and disorganized speech or behavior. Negative symptoms are the absence of normal behavior. Examples include a lack of initiative, diminished speech, disheveled appearance, and flat affect. There used to be specific subtypes of schizophrenia based on what types of psychosis were predominant, but the difference between those types was low yield and, in the most recent version of the DSM, those subtypes have been removed. To make a diagnosis of schizophrenia, you need to rule out other potential causes of psychosis. Street drugs like cocaine or hallucinogens, as well as prescription medications like corticosteroids or anti-Parkinsonian drugs can cause psychosis. General medical conditions such as stroke, delirium, and dementia also need to be ruled out from the differential diagnosis. Thankfully, these intricacies are a bit beyond the scope of the USMLE Step 1 exam. If the question stem has a clear picture of psychosis, you can safely choose schizophrenia unless there's a big hint like recent use of cocaine. We will cover treatment for psychosis like antipsychotics in a later video in the section. The same group of symptoms are associated with different diagnoses based on their duration. According to the DSM, schizophrenia must have symptoms that persist for more than six months. If the symptoms are present for less than a month, you have a different diagnosis. Symptoms of schizophrenia for less than a month is referred to as brief psychotic disorder, and symptoms for one to six months is schizophreniform disorder. Schizoaffective disorder is a mood disorder in the presence of a psychotic disorder. It can be thought of as schizophrenia plus major depressive disorder or bipolar disorder. Differentiating between schizoaffective disorder and a mood disorder that has psychotic features can be challenging. Thankfully, this is a bit beyond the scope of the exam, but the key is what symptoms are predominant. In schizoaffective disorder, psychosis is the primary symptom and changes in affect only occasionally occur during psychotic episodes. 
these individuals will not be depressed or manic in the absence of psychosis. Alternatively, a bipolar person will primarily have mood symptoms and will only occasionally have psychosis during a depressive or manic episode. They will not have psychotic symptoms when they are in a euthymic state or neutral mood. Delusional disorder is characterized by a delusion and the lack of other psychotic symptoms, meaning no hallucinations or thought disorder. These individuals do not have a loss of function and may appear normal most of the time. Unlike the delusions in schizophrenia, the delusions in delusional disorder are usually fixed and non-bizarre. So while the delusion is not based on reality, it is at least plausible. A bizarre delusion would be something like aliens abducted me, while a non-bizarre delusion would be something like my neighbor is trying to kill me, which could potentially occur in real life. The prefix schizo means split. This has unfortunately led to a lot of confusion in the media and general public. Many believe schizophrenia is a type of split personality disorder, also known as dissociative identity disorder, when the two disorders are not related. The split prefix actually refers to the gap between a schizophrenic person and reality. This prefix applies to many of the disorders within the schizophrenia spectrum and other psychotic disorders category which is a new title added to the latest version of the DSM. Schizoid personality disorder, schizotypal personality disorder, schizophrenia, and schizoaffective disorder all have detachment from reality and or others. These disorders also share features like blunted affect. Individuals with the family history of schizophrenia are more likely to be schizoid, schizotypal, or schizoaffective. As a memory mnemonic, you can think of there being a continuum from schizoid to schizoaffective, where each successive step has most of the characteristics of the previous step plus additional symptoms. The way I remember this is that as the number of letters increases, so do the number of symptoms. Schizoid personality disorder is when a person is very introverted and voluntarily withdraws from social interactions. Schizotypal can be thought of as schizoid symptoms plus magical thinking and odd behavior. Schizophrenia can be thought of as schizotypal symptoms plus psychosis. And as we have already discussed, schizoaffective disorder is basically schizophrenia plus a mood disorder. Schizophreniform unfortunately does not fit into this mnemonic. We will cover schizoid and schizotypal in much more detail in a later video about personality disorders. That brings us to the end of this video. If you liked it and would like to make it easier to find other videos from Stomp on Step 1, you can click on this orange box here. Our next video in the series will cover anxiety disorders like OCD, PTSD, and generalized anxiety disorder. If you'd like to be taken directly to that video, you can click on this black box here. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. This is Not So Mad Science. It's your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. What was being shared with you for the past 10 minutes are the psychological conditions that are the net result of adverse reactions to vaccines. 
we have to consider that the adverse reactions are not limited to just a physical response. Now that they are psychological responses and emotional responses. You have to ask yourself, what are we going to do? How do we protect ourselves from a government that is in the pockets of an industry who's looking to make profit? In his book, Pharma, Dr. Posner points to another example of private companies making exorbitant profits from drugs produced with public funding. The antiviral drug Sofosib... I'm going to try to pronounce this because it's a really weird name. Sofosibir. Subbir. Sofosibir. Sofosibir. Which is used to treat hepatitis C. Stems from key research funded by the National Institute of Health. Again, Dr. Andrew Fauci. The drug is now owned by the Gilead Sciences, which charges $1,000 per pill. More than many people with hepatitis C can afford. Gilead earned $44 billion from the drug during its first three years on the market. Wouldn't it be great, Mr. Posner asked, to have some of the profits from those drugs go back into public research at the NIH? Instead, the profits have funded huge bonuses for drug companies' executives and aggressive marketing for drugs to customers. They have also been used to further boost the profitability of the pharmaceutical sector, according to calculations by Axios. Drug companies make 63% of the total health care profits in the U.S. That's in part because of the success of their lobbying efforts. In 2019, the pharmaceutical industry spent $295 billion, excuse me, $295 million on lobbying, far more than any other sector in the U.S. But look at this. They spent $295 million, but they made $44 billion. Wow. They made almost twice as much as the next biggest spender. Excuse me. The electronic manufacturing and equipment sector. And well more than double what oil and gas companies spent on lobbying. The industry also spends lavishly on campaign contributions to both the Democratic and Republican lawmakers. Double dipping. Primary, Mr. Joe Biden has led the pack 
among recipients of contributions from healthcare and pharmaceutical industries. So, Mr. Joe, are you really concerned about my health? I know Colt 45 wasn't. You too? Say it ain't so, Joe. You too? Big pharmaceutical spending has positioned the industry well for the current pandemic. While stock markets have plummeted in reaction to the Trump administration's bungling of the crisis, more than 20 companies working on a vaccine and other products related to the new SARS-CoV-2 virus or COVID-19 have largely been spared. Stock prices for the biotech company Moderna, which began, which began recruiting participants for a clinical trial of its new candidate for coronavirus vaccine, have shot up during that time. A day of general carnage in the stock market, Eli Lilly's stock also enjoyed a boost after the company announced that it too is joining the efforts to come up with a therapy for the new coronavirus. And Gilead Sciences, which is at work on a potential treatment as well, is also thriving. Gilead stock prices was already up since news that its antiviral drug Remdesivir, which was created to treat Ebola, was being given to COVID-19 patients. Now, the effects of Ebola on the body and the effects of the COVID-19 virus on the body are so diametrically different. One explodes the blood cells. The others cause you not to be able to aspirate, meaning breathe. How can the same drug treat both conditions? The Wall Street Journal has reported that the drug had a positive effect on a small number of infected cruise ship passengers. The price went up further. They lied, as it was found out, that the drug was not effective. But that brief, non-factual blurb allowed them to make money. Johnson & Johnson, Diasaurin Molecular, and Keegan have made it clear that they are receiving funding from the Department of Health and Human Services for efforts related to the pandemic. But it is unclear whether Eli Lilly and Gilead are using government money for their work on the virus. To date, the Health and Human Services has not issued a list of grant participants or recipients. And according to the Reuters News Service, the Trump administration was told top health officials to treat their coronavirus, or rather they told the top health officials to treat their coronavirus discussions as classified and above top secret and excluded staffers without security clearances 
some discussions about the virus. A former top lobbyist of both Eli Lilly and Gilead now serve on white on the White House Coronavirus Task Force. Boy, can it become more clear, people. You can't trust these people, but you pumping that poison into your arms every day. And I fear for so many of you that have already done it in your stupid, ignorant, inane, bombastic stupidity of believing these people, and you pumped it in your arms anyway. Bobby Womack does a song called I Wish You Didn't Trust Me So Much. I'm sorry, but you people trust these people so much that you're now gambling with your lives. Because six months from now, a year from now, 18 months from now, two years from now, when you begin to experience sicknesses and symptoms, ain't a damn thing you can do. And there's nobody you can blame but yourself. You did this. To yourself. You did this to your children. You did it. Because you wouldn't listen to anybody else tell you that there was another way or at least wait until they prove its efficacy, its viability. Nah, you couldn't do that. You chose the path of least resistance. You chose the path of the liar. And now, you got to sit back and you got to wonder whether your dumb ass is going to die. Try that hat on for a side, all you college-educated people out there. Now you face the fear of what the poor face every day, not knowing whether or not they're going to be able to put a meal on the table for their family or whether they're going to pay the gas and electric bill. Now you face the ultimate fear. Six months, up to two years from now, you may drop dead and nobody will be able to do a damn thing about it. This is Not So Mad Science with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. I'm going to close out early tonight because right now I'm disgusted with so many of you We tried to tell you the truth, and you ignored us. You allowed fear. You allowed commercialism to dictate your choices to trust the liar. All I can say to you in the words of that immortal black teacher, Adam Clayton Powell of the Abyssinian Baptist Church of the city of New York, keep the faith, baby. Keep the faith, because I fear many of you will drop dead. It is not so mad science, but your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. I'll be coming back next week, God willing, with part six. Assalamu alaikum.